So welcome everyone. Um, this is our seventh class together. I kind of feel quite precious for us uh, practicing together and learning together. Noble Eightfold Path. It's really a precious gift as I'm gathering here together with you. And I also reflected that just in this last one month, how much has been happening in this world. I, I, for me, I felt very close to home that uh, there are so many shootings that happened in this last one month. targeted at a specific communities like Asian communities are just human beings. And so I want to invite everyone maybe just to take a moment of a silence in solidarity. Maybe we come together as a community to hold all the suffering, the struggle, sorrow, grief, fear, as well as our open heart and to receive all of this. So just take a moment of a silence as we gather and also recognizing the George Floyd trial. Tracing back a year ago. So there may be a lot going on. So may this container that we create together be the healing place for everyone. So I also wanna just do a backtrack, see how precious that we're all here together practicing and learning Noble Eightfold Path. 
what a way to meet and hold all that is happening in the world, maybe inside of us, allowing ourselves with the right understanding, wise understanding of the Four Noble Truths. Allow ourselves to rest on the ground of wholesome intentions, the intention of non-harming, and act out of wise speech, wise action, and wise livelihood. And since last month, we've ventured into one of the three divisions of the Noble Eightfold Path, cultivating our mind and heart to allow ourselves to have wisdom and compassion to meet what is happening within us and, and in the world. So I just want to have a deep bowing to all of you, all of us. You know, what a way to meet all that is happening. So deep gratitude for engaging in this together. And I invite uh, my co-teacher today, uh, Bruni and uh, Chris, maybe to uh, say a few words in this a uh, short opening today. Well, I'm... Mm. I certainly appreciate everything Ying said, and I, it's, it's a point of light in this time to see so many people pursuing this path and, and just having the intention and the possibility of meeting all this with a, with a clearer head and a warmer heart and a body that's bodily energies grounded and centered and settled. It's so much what the world needs. And I'm so appreciative of you all discovering this path and all the work that you've all put into it all year. It's, it's a point of light, many points of light. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm so, so happy. So happy to see you all to be here with Chris and Yin and um, just to resonate, yes, to resonate Yin's words in, in this field of compassion and understanding and wisdom that has been cultivated by, by all of us through these months, by your intention, by you acting on you know, showing up, click on logging in into Zoom for these classes and bringing yourself uh, with your understanding and, and presence uh, to, meet, to meet life how, how it is. 
So I'm just very happy to be here. It makes me very happy. Thank you. So maybe, um, well, do a guided meditation now and just to, as a way to kind of open ourselves to our practice together. So, thank you. Yeah, so we finally come to mindfulness, which I'm sure we have all been using all year, or we would, I don't know, we would probably not be here by now if we hadn't had that to call on during the year. Sometimes at this point in the program, people are feeling a little bit overwhelmed by the number of factors and the number of practices and the number of the lists of this and that. And so maybe you can take this mindfulness. There are lists in mindfulness that we'll be going into, but maybe you can take this point to remember the essential simplicity of just being with what's happening. Munindraji, our the teacher of our teachers, one of the founders of this tradition, he used to say, if you can just sit and know you're sitting, the whole path of the Dharma will unfold for you. So keeping it simple, having this simplicity as a way of meeting what's called the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows, the simplicity of allowing them to pass through our awareness and be met with the depths of our hearts and our settled bodies and our, our clear awareness. So let's settle into a posture that's aligned, having your back aligned, having your neck and head resting in alignment with your back. And just bringing awareness into the here and now, settling and centering. We'll just take a little time to come into the body. The body is the thread of our experience that's most clearly available in the here and now and helps to bring us back to a simple presence. Settling and centering. Maybe sensing your feet in contact with the floor. Really embodying yourself, making deep inner contact with your experience. The experience only you have of your feet. What's it like for your feet to be in contact with the floor right now? Not trying to describe it, just letting it be felt. Resting on that foundation of the earth. Having the intention of letting our emotional activity and our mental activity settle.
Feeling the contact of your bottom with your seat, the whole plane of your, the floor of your torso. Relaxing, resting, fully contacting your chair. Letting that be a foundational support. Be a sense of coming home to the center of this body. Maybe it helps to center you to notice you can feeling both, both hips equally. And letting your diaphragm settle and rest on the foundations below. Becoming aware of that natural movement of the breath. Receiving those sensations deep in the core of your body. Nothing to do. Nothing to change. And with this grounding the lower parts of your body, letting your upper body rest and settle on those foundations. Collar bones, your shoulders, shoulder blades, arms, letting your arms hang, feeling your arms just hanging loose. Centering yourself, noticing both shoulders maybe coming into the center. Letting the emotional life rest, letting the mental activity rest. And just noticing right now what's going on in your neck. Letting it be at ease, balanced, loose. Just noticing how it is. Noticing how your face is. Let your face rest down toward the support of the jaw and the place where the head rests on the neck. Noticing your eyes, is there tension around trying to see? Can we just, seeing is happening, inner seeing at this point, maybe. Hearing is happening, relaxing the ears and the eyes. Just noticing whatever feelings are there, sensations, and letting them be just as they are.
sensing the whole head, the top of the head. And holding this whole body awareness. Letting the breath naturally move through the center without disturbing the the potential stillness of awareness. Staying lightly in touch with the felt sense of bodily experience. Centered and awake, aware, knowing that we're here and now, and right now it's like this, and it's being known. As we sit in silence, various sensations, thoughts, states of heart and mind, perhaps even strong emotions may arise. The art of mindfulness is simply to recognize, allow, keeping some part of the attention connected to the breath or the whole body or some part of the body that's being affected right now. Mindfulness is the ability to be with experience, but not getting lost in it. Not losing the sense that we're knowing and recognizing what's happening. Cultivating the ability to feel and know that you're feeling sensations. It might be helpful to recognize the simple feeling tone of whatever's happening. Noticing if it's pleasant, it might be seducing you into involvement with it or clinging to it or drifting off into thinking about it. Or it's unpleasant, it might be giving rise to inner tension, some kind of aversion or busyness with thinking about how to change it. Sometimes it helps to stay present simply to notice, oh, it's something pleasant, something unpleasant. Mm -hmm. 
and then simply be with constantly changing little sensations of an alive body, breath, circulation of energy and fluid. The solidity of the contact of your bottom with your seat, your feet on the floor, your hands in your lap. Just sitting, knowing you're sitting, knowing right now it's like this. Sometimes that gets a little fuzzy or spaced out or disconnected from. Then you might check in, see if there's some kind of a state of mind or attitude of some sort that's come over you. See if it's possible to simply recognize something like boredom, resistance, imagining some other situation, wanting to fix something, wanting to analyze something. At that moment, if you can know that you're recognizing a state of mind and a state of mind that's clouding the simplicity of whole body, whole breath awareness, you can just recognize it without completely plunging into the dream world that that state of mind might want to present, pull you into. Oh, right now, there's a mind state. Right now, there's a, an emotional state. And still breathing, still sitting. Still right here and now. We don't have to go looking for things. We don't have to catch every last thing. It's not like that at all. It's staying open and aware of the intentions to settle and center and stay aware.
Tuning back into the sensations of breathing, the sensations of bodily contact. And awareness of how much mental, emotional activity is flowing by also. Not rejecting anything, not fearing anything, not fixing anything, just being with, keeping company with experience. Not being completely submerged in it, losing our awareness that This is not the whole of who we are. This is a passing experience. Just keep lightly reconnecting, rebalancing awareness. The heart's experience of this moment. The body's experience of this moment. Finding and resting in a deep sense of being at home in our deepest core. Able to meet each moment.
Thank you, Chris. So we'll move into a little bit of a teaching around the path factor for this month. Right mindfulness. Given the topic, and I also wanted to um, maybe invite you uh, to meet this teaching sections or even the breakout sessions today with mindfulness. Now maybe listen to these teachings with your body, with your mind and with your heart. And can you uh, receive the teachings through the body? It's an embodied way of learning and, and listening to the teachings. I'm gonna share a, a screen and, and this is gonna be a, involving a little bit of a technology here and let's see if it'll work for you. See, are you able to see my uh, screen? Yeah, you can see the screen? Now I have to see if I'm able to see. Uh, I see it, but it's a little out of focus, the smaller words. Oh, okay. Let me just stop real quick. I wanted to bring uh, my screen uh, right in the front here and then uh, try it again here. All right, I'm gonna give it one more try. Okay, how is it now? Okay. So right mindfulness, um, some of you probably have heard of this, uh, Samasati, and I think in the last few months, we've also been using the word wise um, instead of right. But the Pali term for this is the Sama, Samasati. Uh, in the suttas, um, there is a um, specific def definition and that's be being given to describe what uh, right mindfulness is. And this is related to this list um, that um, in Chris's guided meditation, it's pointing to. And this is called the four satipatthanas. Sometimes it's translated as the four foundations of a mindfulness or the four establishments of the mindfulness. And some of you might have also heard of this as the four ways of establishing mindfulness. And so I wanna open by um, talking about um, an over, overarching set of um, uh, instructions that Buddha uh, uses to describe 
how to practice the um, four foundations of a mindfulness. And there's a four things uh, that are referred to uh, in this teaching is mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of the feeling tones, mindfulness of the mental states, and mindfulness of the dharmas. And with each of this, and the Buddha uses the following terms to describe how to practice them. And they're the same for all, all four of them. And I'll just share a few words about this. And so this says, uh, in regard to the body, a practitioner abides contemplating the body in the body, diligent, clearly knowing and mindful free from desires and discontent in regard to the world. And those are the words that's used for uh, the other three Satipatthanas as well. So what does this mean, contemplating the body in the body? And for me, it evokes the immediacy and the simplicity that the Chris was also pointing to in the guided meditation. Being mindful of the body in the simplicity of the body itself, rather than maybe the higher level abstractions we may have related to the body. Uh, you know, it's uh, um, ideas related to the body is often how we see our bodies you know, the, the beauty or the, uh, the kind of a shapes. And that's kind of how we um, usually relate to the body, you know, a weakness or strength. But here, the body, the, the Buddha is inviting us to become mindful of the body in the body itself. There is a sense of immediacy of the felt sense in the body. And then diligent, making effort to, to stay connected with the body, clearly knowing and mindful, bring the sense of um, clarity in our knowing. It's kind of like, you know, the fish swim in the water, but actually knows that you're swimming in the water. And the fish may not know, but here, the kind of a mindfulness that we're cultivating is that we actually know. There is the clarity of knowing this. And the last sentence, free from desires and discontent in regard to the world. So the profound instruction on this, how often that we relate um, to uh, mindfulness of body but is still carrying a lot of concerns and wanting and not wanting that we may have in our mind. We want this meditation to go a certain way. And then maybe that was the orientation we may be having in practicing mindfulness of the body. But here the Buddha says, let go of the desires and discontent that may be preoccupations in our mind. So this is kind of overarching set of instructions the Buddha uh, gave 
with respect to all four different uh, satipatthanas. So um, worthwhile to keep that in mind. And then with respect to the first satipatthana, mindfulness of the body, and this is not one set of practices, um, but rather um, the Buddha had offered uh, six different practices. In, in one way, uh, one can see this six different practice, practices. There, uh, there is some form of a progression in them. It doesn't have to be this way. That's one way to understand them. And so uh, let me just uh, kind of walk you through uh, this uh, set of uh, practices. Just know that uh, today um, uh, we're uh, offering some teachings around this set of um, satipatthanas. These are all um, just the pointers. You know, some may sink in, some may not. And it's totally okay for me just the mindfulness of the body is a lifetime practice. Even if I didn't get to the others, it's totally fine. Nevertheless, we can offer some words on this. So out of this sequence of uh, six different practices, the first two is related to becoming mindful of our four postures, walking, standing, sitting, and lying down and mindfulness of the bodily activities. For example, I'm talking right now, I'm becoming mindful or being aware that I'm talking. Or if I'm lifting my hand, just being aware that I'm lifting my hand. And so those two practices are very accessible as we go about living our daily lives. We can do it anytime we remember to do so. If you're sitting right now, being aware that you're sitting. And Chris had mentioned that the Mooning Juji talked about just this becoming mindful of the sitting, our postures, quite profound. And there are also other effects of uh, engaging in these two practices in our daily life uh, as we go about doing things. And that is, they really tone our mindfulness muscles. They allow us to become, to uh, um, begin to build uh, some mindfulness habits. And this way, as we um, settle into more formal meditative practices, we allow that to be part of uh, mindfulness to be part of us already. And so when we do sit and meditate in the formal sitting, it becomes more conducive for settling and easing into uh, the deepening aspect of uh, the meditative practice. And so the next few uh, involves in the deepening of this meditative practice. The first one is mindfulness of breathing. I think many of you have been practicing mindfulness of breathing uh, for quite some time. And breath is always with us. 
And so again, this is something that may be very accessible to many of us, becoming aware of uh, the characteristics of the breathing, uh, the felt sense of our breathing. We began to know more and more the nature of our lived experience, the embodied experiences. The next two uh, practices, contemplation of the body parts and contemplation of the elements, earth, water, fire, and air, drops um, deeper into this embodied experience and allow us to see maybe the a more more of the true natures of uh, our bodies. Contemplation of the body parts allow us to let go of the maybe the habitual ways of relating to our bodies that are higher level abstractions by seeing, oh, this body is made up of, you know, the body hair, the skin, and the flesh underneath the bed, the bones, and the internal organs, fluids. This is what the body is made up with. And the sutta had this simile of, uh, it's as if we're looking into a bag of a mixed rice and mixed lentils. This is what this body is composed of. Contemplation of the elements allow us to drop into the more direct felt sense um, experience of the body, the earthiness of the body, even as we sit right now. Can you feel the hardness of the bones, the fluidity of the water element, and the movements of the air, temperature of the fire, So we're dropping into the elemental natures of our experience rather than living into the big abstractions, you know, the the beautiful, the ugly, too tall, too tall, too short, too big, too small. Now we're letting go of this bigger concepts. So we're dropping into the felt sense of our experience. The last contemplation, corpse contemplation, began to really point us at the true natures of our bodies. This being born, we're mortal. Death is inevitable. This body will eventually decompose fade away, can we turn into the true nature of this body that is impermanent, not something to be held as I am this, this is mine. And so through the sequence of practices around mindfulness of the body, we began to open ourselves up to the natures of our experience that is not permanent, impermanent, anicca, 
dukkha and anatta, not self, can lead to profound opening, profound sense of freedom. And this practice of mindfulness of body sets the stage for us to practice mindfulness of the feeling tones, vedana, which is the second satipatthana. And so um, in the guided meditation, Chris had pointed out that in our embodied experience, and there arises pleasant feeling tones, unpleasant feeling tones, and neutral feeling tones. And so even as, if, uh, as we sit here, maybe you can turn inward just to sense in this body, the embodied lived experience. Are there some experiences that felt like pleasant? Are there some that have felt unpleasant, maybe pain, some tension, and some may be neutral. So why does the Buddha point out or, or um, offer this specific teaching? It's because of this mindfulness of feelings, feeling tones is a bridge that goes uh, that bridges between the bodily experience and our reactions, our responses to them. In the guided meditation, uh, we may be seeing that sometimes when there's a pleasant experience, we may be immediately going after and hang around with a pleasant experience longer. I, I notice sometimes, you know, when I take a warm shower, there is a sense of lingering there. <laughs> and it's a habitual tendency of hanging on onto the pleasant experience. And when there is a pain or discomfort, oftentimes, our immediate habitual reaction is to get away from it. Maybe let's shift the body. Not to say that we, sh- you know, we absolutely should not do it, but rather, can we begin to see by tuning in to the feeling tones how we habitually react to this? By seeing this clearly, we begin to have a choice. We can take a pause. Can we, do we always have to give in to the habit, habitual tendencies? Or can we just be with attention as is? Not giving in to having to shift and change to fix it right away. And so by cultivating mindfulness of the feeling tones, we began to have a, an opportunity to establish new relationships to our lived experience. 
maybe we can simply be with our lived experience and not to have to change, shift, and fix them all the time. And so that's what the mindfulness of feeling tones could offer to us. So I'm going to stop the sharing. And so now uh, we are going to move into a, a breakout uh, session and to allow you to uh, um, maybe uh, uh, share and practice this together in small groups. I uh, realize that we've been uh, doing monotone, <laughs> uh, offering uh, the teacher's voices up till now. And we wanted to begin to um, invite your voice in as you get into small groups. And I'd like to encourage you uh, to engage in uh, today's small groups as much as I could. Uh, But I also understand uh, if for those of you who do not want to participate, Um, You can sign out, leave the Zoom room and come back maybe after about um, about 19, 20 minutes. Um, But today's small small group breakout rooms, uh, we are going to do uh, some practices together. So I do wanted to encourage you if you like to uh, stay uh, together. So in our uh, small group uh, today, I'd like to invite you uh, to just take a couple of minutes and there are two parts to it. And I will put the instructions in the chat box and so that you have the instruction as well. Um, But I'll just give you a, a description of what will happen in the small group right now. And I'd like to invite you um, to get into small group and maybe take a couple of minutes uh, just to become mindful of the body as you settle in. And then after the couple of minutes, um, and you will get into a, a verbal sharing circle and by sharing a few words about if the effect of a becoming mindful of the body. How does that, uh, what the effect of that is on you? As you share and continue to be mindful of the body, and for those who um, are listening, and listen in an embodied way as well. So it's as if you're listening with and through the body. And how does that um, affect you? in terms of the learning, sharing, and receiving. And then you get two minutes to debrief uh, in the uh, small group after going around sharing. If uh, in the sharing, you don't find an icebreaker, I'll just suggest that the person with the shortest uh, uh, hair go first. <laughs> you may have to discern <laughs> you know, who might have the shortest hair. And the second part is similar to this part, um, but um, the second part of this, uh, you will get to do this by including 
mindfulness of the feeling tones as well. And then as you share, um, uh, you will be sharing in what ways you um, can differentiate the embodied experience, the feeling tones, and the reactions to the feeling tones and embodied experience. And so those are the, the instructions. And I'm gonna just to cut and paste this set of instruction in the chat box so you have it. So let's see, Chris, are you uh, ready to go? Here we go. So welcome back, everybody. We're just regrouping. And there may be still some conversations going on in some of the breakout rooms. Let's just give a couple of moments. they all come all right welcome everybody welcome back so now magically we're all in the big room so everybody is back is that right chris yeah okay so we have a few minutes before the break um and so at, at 2 40 uh, sorry 2 20 uh, pacific time we'll have a a break and we just wanted to hear from you um, anyone wanted to share a few words about how it went for you and maybe have a question and you can use the uh, raise hand button um, at the bottom of the screen for those who have it um, or maybe under participants then you can raise hand Oh, there is a question uh, in the chat box. Um, so maybe we'll do that question right now um, from Jade. How are the pleasant, unpleasant tones different than desire and aversion? What a great question. I'd like to kind of invite maybe uh, my co-teachers to see any of you like to respond to this as well, as I've been talking <laughs> a lot. Well, I'll take a crack at it. Um, often we don't notice these things until we're well into desire and aversion you know, especially until we get quite settled. But it's like the, the first little classification of the mind of something as pleasant and unpleasant that actually triggers desire and aversion. So it is possible when you're quite settled and, some, and it's also very helpful when you find that you're caught in desire and aversion to see if you can go back and notice what is the underlying Sometimes I like to say just pleasant or just unpleasant, you know, that triggered all the reactivity. 
And in seeing that that's what it is, and even using that label in your mind, sometimes it cuts through the reactivity and allows you to feel like, okay, this bodily sense, this little pain in the knee or pain in the back, it's just, just unpleasant. And, you know, I've been squirming around and reacting to it all this time. So see if you can cut through it to that level. And at some point you might be able to notice you can also just scan through and say what's going on right now that's either pleasant or unpleasant and find out that it's really very small and much more tolerable than our reactions to it. There's a question. Yeah, there's a one more question. Um, Barry, that's the last one we'll do before the break. Yeah, yeah so um, uh, I had two questions, but maybe you'll just answer one. Uh, how would you describe the difference between uh, mindfulness of feeling tone versus mindfulness of emotion. And then the other question was, I'm always surprised when, when mindfulness goes before concentration, because I thought in the practice, you're supposed to get concentrated first, and then you're able to be mindful of seeing things as they are. Yeah. Uh, both are great questions. And Bruni, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Um. So very about the, the first question of emotions and feeling tone, I will be talking a little bit about that from uh, for the next mindfulness of mind and mindfulness of mental states. But just to give an answer now, um, uh, feeling tone, you know, is a mental factor. It's, it, it happens. It happens in the mind that way in which the mind categorizes, you know, the experiences of pleasant, unpleasant and neutral. Um, emotions is a composite. It's not only the pleasant and unpleasant um, aspect of, of an experience of something that, that is arising as an emotion, but it's also, it's a composite. It's a composite of um, idea, ideas, beliefs, um, there's a mental aspect to, you know, also how we relate to that emotion. And then there's the response. There's the response from the body. There's the interplay between each. So um, emotions is more of a composite of different, different processes that are happening and different experiences that were happening um, also that we can explore with the other satipatthanas. Um, and so feeling tone, feeling tone um, happens, it arises and passes at the contact of every each sense base. When when the when this when the sensor let's like let, let's say for example that when you're hearing my voice now, there's a contact of that sound with the ear. And in that moment, maybe we notice it or not there is like an arising or of pleasant and unpleasant and that's that and then there may be other emotions there may be other things happening out of that listening um so that's is that does that we can maybe the, I, I will i will maybe when we go into the next satipatthana that will answer some of your question thank you you're welcome and you had another one that um, I don't know if. Yeah, the mindfulness and the concentration. Um, I just say that they are not separate. 
So mindfulness concentration, I like, I don't know, twin brothers and twin sisters. <laughs> they, they, are, they are really kind of together. And, and so um, maybe later on as we um, uh, go into um, the big group um, uh, Q&A in the uh, later session, if we have time, maybe we'll say a few more words and maybe we'll say some words next time. Uh, when we go to the concentration path factor. Um, but maybe that's enough for now. Um, so I, I'm aware that we're at the uh, time for a break. So I think we all need it. <laughs> we need, I need it. And so we will come back. Um, should we do 10 minutes or should we um, see what the schedule says? Yeah, so um, we will come back. How about 2.30? So here we are. Let's <clears throat> wait one more minute. Just to... Here you are, okay. Okay, <clears throat> so thank you, Jean, for um, reminding us of the body <laughs> through mindfulness of the body, so many ways in which we can practice mindfulness of the body. <clears throat> Mindfulness of feeling tone. Uh, so this third um, foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness, there's some people, I like to call it mindfulness of the mind. Other, other teachers call it mindfulness of mind states. Uh, but mainly what it points us to is what is the kind of what is the attitude, uh, the mood, I even call it the taste because for some reason it just clear to, it's clear to me like if some, there's a taste in the mind that may not land for you but uh, maybe yes. But um, <clears throat> You know, when we start practicing and we start recognizing that there are different sensations in the body and that there are different ways in which this mind, this dear mind, categorizes different experiences as pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, we also start to see maybe that that as we experience different things, that there's this uh maybe um like i said this this mood in relation to what we are experiencing and with mindfulness we can see if there's um 
you know, we, we talk also about within the teachings, we talk about these roots of uh, greed, hatred and delusion or, um, or lost or um, yeah, you can call greed also lost. So mainly that state, that mindfulness, um, that foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the mind is to notice, is there, is there lost in the mind? Is, is there greed in the mind? Is, it sounds very simple, but really the instruction what, what tells us is notice when there's greed in the mind. Notice when there is no greed in the mind. Wearing a, a check when there is lost in the mind, when there is wanting in the mind. And I think that as simple as it could be to categorize it within those different, these three different roots or, you know, that move us in how we take action, you know, our ethical actions too. It can, it can tell you how it is that sometimes, you know, by Johnny noticing what is that state of mind in that moment, if we notice it before acting, wow, can you imagine that? You know, there's, there's, there's could be a lot of, like Jean was saying, a lot of choice that at that moment, okay, there's, there's greed in the mind. Let me see what is happening here. It can tell us, it's almost like an invitation, like an invitation to explore what is happening in the body and in this aspect of feeling tone, in case we have not noticed yet, <laughs> in case you are entangled or just going on with your life, with the busyness of life, and there is this strong state of mind, you know, it could even be like, it could have been like, you know, if the mind feels contracted or expand or, or there's a space, you know, sometimes we feel that there's space in the mind. And so it can be like, a, for me, it has been like a warning, like, like maybe a yellow light sometimes. Like, okay, there's... There's greed in the mind, Bruni. There's still time. There, there's still time here to see how you're going to to continue doing what you're doing. And our practice, you know, this practice of mindfulness, of being aware, as Chris was saying, and Jean, of you know, being aware of what what you're doing, like in the postures, no worse that you're sitting when you're sitting. You can. You can notice this state of mind, this attitude on the mind of the mind in any posture, in any posture. And it gives us an opportunity also, if we practice with it, and we see that maybe at the beginning of the time, our time together here, 
there was a state of the mind. I'll give you, I give you some, some words here for these moods or attitudes in the mind. If there was something like constriction or feeling scattered or um, there's a sense of unification or there's a sense of uh, freedom in the mind. And then you check right now, if you take a moment just to see what is the what is the mood in the mind? What is the attitude in the mind right now? And then it may be something different. Check it out right now for just a minute. What is the attitude or the taste? How would you with just one word? How would you describe it? As you feel the body sitting here. And as you apply what Jean said, is it pleasant, unpleasant? How are you right now with experience, overall experience? Is it pleasant, unpleasant, neutral? And then again, checking that mood in the mind. What's the mood? So just that, it can take, you know, just a moment or sometimes it can take more than a moment because we just don't know there's confusion or, you know, if there's delusion, it's hard to know when we're deluded that there's delusion. It takes some time. So what I'm pointing out here with the mind states too is that um, as other Satipatthanas, it tells us also, wow, this is not the mood that I started with on this Zoom call. So things change. The mood in the mind change, the state in the mind change. It's not continuous. It's like uh, Chris was saying, you know, with our practice of mindfulness, we start to see that there is a moment to moment to moment. It's almost like having a, a film or watching a movie. It's almost like if we want to see the mood, you know, and we're seeing what is happening right now here, we're just watching a movie and there are many, many different moments and there can be different moods, different states of mind. And so this state of mind too can be impacted and can be influenced by beliefs, by thoughts, um, <clears throat> there could be like Barry was asking before, there could be also emotions happening. And so we start seeing that there's an interplay now, you know, with these, um, with this foundation of mindfulness, we can also see the interplay of all the different, um, different uh, mindfulness 
that we can practice with and how we how they impact each other the interplay of the body with the mind and with the feeling tone so let me give you an example let's say that you know i've been i've been doing a lot of things throughout the day i've been working in the garden and suddenly i got a call from friends and i'm listening i'm listening to what is being said as and i'm listening right there something is happening oh i don't like what i'm hearing unpleasant unpleasant and then suddenly we feel like something happening like in the body like maybe a tight and knot or maybe an expansion if i like what i'm hearing and then maybe we have like suddenly notice what is the mood in the mind oh i started i started by oh, i it was a, there was a there was no loss or there was balance in the mind when i started gardening and then there was no greed and no loss and there was no aversion and and so you see how how they all suddenly like we can see how all these different aspects of our practice they just impact each other <clears throat> and as we go deeper with mindfulness like jane was saying responding to various questions about uh, concentration and mindfulness you know when we practice remembering being aware during the day or during something that we're engaging in then the mind can relax the mind maybe can can get a little bit there there could be some calm being cultivated or if we're just practicing formal meditation like right now you're maybe just sitting and listening so there could be there could be that there are moments in which you can see clearly the state of mind you can know right now this is what is here this there is lust or there is aversion or there's there's cloudiness in the mind i have no idea what is happening so at the beginning of my practice i had gosh i thought that everything was all together fixed before practicing i didn't even had an idea that that there there could be a mood in the mind i was just just putting all together like everything everything was solid and continuous and you know if it was not present here a mood in the mind for me it was like oh it's a sleep 
It's a slip. And there could be moments like that. You know, there's some seeds in the mind that may motivate some of these states of mind. But when we, <clears throat> when we start, you know, having mindfulness being an integrated aspect of how it is that we live our lives, there may be more moments of clarity and you may start to sort out, oh, this is the body. Or, oh, this is a feeling tone. And, oh, this is, this is a state of mind. And there could be more choice for how you can act upon what you're getting to know from your practice, what you're getting to know from your life. You can choose to act or not, or you can choose to give it space and say, okay, what is, what, what is the wisest response to what I'm learning about here? So yes, just, just the mind, the, the mindfulness of mind, mindfulness of uh, mind states. What is that genital? What is that genital mood, genital attitude? And you, you may also see that there may be some inclinations of the mind that uh, tend to go to one, one mood more than the other in your life. Who knows? There is another aspect that we learn and that maybe you have a you have a taste of it of that experience. And is that um, when we start noticing that uh, these states of mind and physical sensations and feeling tone arises and passes, there is there could be a discovery that you don't you don't own all of this that you may not be your anger that there is just anger or that you know that you're not you're not the happiness that arises but that there's happiness arising and passing and so that gives us some space. Again, it's like watching that movie of our lives and what is happening in our inner life and our life, outer life. We can see it. And then there could be some, some space, some distance that we can use not to detach and disconnect, but to know that we have choices and that there's a, there's a space before acting or before taking this in as okay i'm gonna live like this for the rest of my life because you know this is this is a state of mind that is here so we have more objectivity less reactivity and more response and that is powerful
I bet that you must have experienced one moment or another. And so the other, the fourth foundation of mindfulness, then we know the mood and we have the state of mind. And, and then we start seeing like different mental processes. These, like I was saying, we can start sorting out and we can see physical and mental processes. And it's almost like, I just love like how Gil described it. It's almost like a practice of wisdom because we really get to know how it is that we get caught and how it is that we get uncaught or how it is that we can cultivate wholesome states or not cultivate wholesome states. And so we have an opportunity then to use what what is called you know mental processes these mindfulness of mental processes and there are different ways that the buddha offered us to explore these mental processes <clears throat> we can look at it through um <clears throat> through the hindrances those visitors those visitors that sometimes take take the energy or our mindfulness, take our mindfulness um, um, out of sync, it obscures the mindfulness. And then if we don't, you know, if we don't treat them with some kind of diplomacy and um, some kind of respect, they can become hindrances. So there are visitors, different experiences of, you know, healthy desire and aversion and sloth and torpor or restlessness or doubt. But with these foundation of mindfulness, mental processes, we can start looking at it with wisdom. We can see, okay, this is how I get caught. This is the conditioning. Let me see what it is that I can do here. And also we can see other processes like um, other, other states that, that do move us towards liberation, like the seven factors of awakening. We can see how they happen as we keep going deeper into the practice. So this fourth foundation, it helps us to go deeper into an understanding of different aspects of our lives, how it is that we experience our lives through this flow that we call ourselves by, you know, our names, Bruni or um, Barry or Jean or Chris. It's a, way, it's a way of exploring, getting to understand more. And so, um, I think that I'm out of time, right? Is that we started at 34, so... Yeah, so... Yeah, so... Now we can look at this more with... Um, with some questions. Maybe we can come back and when we harvest, maybe if there's more I can we can engage more in exploring together these two foundations. So there is one question in the chat. And so this is the first question. And now that we know, thanks to Jean, 
that you get the questions if we send them while you're in small groups, in breakout groups. We were trying that before making sure you're getting what we're sending to you. So this question is before and after practice, before you started practicing and as you've been practicing, how did you and now how do you relate to these different moods and state of mind that you experience in your life? How do you relate to them? Do you like them? Do you like to stay with them? Do you want them to go away? Do you, does it matter to you? How, how is it for you? And just to check as a reference point, you know, it's the before and after. It's just to see how it is that you have learned or what you're discovering and what you're inquiring about. So we're going to go into breakout groups now, and it's going to be the same time. <clears throat> that is that clear? Is the question clear? Does is 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 does it help? Uh, to have it in the chat or there's any oh, other hope it'll be in the chat yes it is in the chat oh oh because the second question yes I, I will send it a little bit later after this question yeah so so Bruni maybe you can send it because I did get um, uh, oh. someone who told me that they didn't see the second question in oh. this okay so maybe it's a worthwhile sure. to send to the second question right now. Okay. Okay, so let me just so let me just say, are there oh look, it's not metal, it's mental. <laughs> are there any mental processes that you prefer over other mental processes? So I give you an example, you know, um, there are some mental processes that you know like like exploring the hindrances or exploring the seven factors of awakening or learning more about the four noble truths um, those are different mental processes that the, the lists that the buddha gave us to explore our life experiences and and see how are there different mental processes happening in the mind oh or what is happening, you know, with the like the sensors, sense bases, like Jean was saying, there may be sometimes that we know that we know what is pleasant and unpleasant through what we see, but we may not be so in tune with what we hear. Or, you know, so maybe prefer could be a word that supports you in a sense of something that you would like to explore or not. And Okay. Okay. Your belts. Okay, dear friends. I I get excited about these these foundations of mindfulness <laughs> because there's so much learning and discovery and oh, many many ways to explore our lived experience so how was it if there anyone that would like to share and 
within our groups, anything that you've learned or that you heard that, you know, pleasant, unpleasant or neutral or... Yeah, I just remind you to use the raise hand button or the participants. And there was a question earlier about um, oh, yes. mutual feelings. Yes, we can start. So, with that, um, yeah, maybe we can we can go with uh, from that one. And uh, so, neutral feelings. So I invite you all to do an experiment. And yeah, there's a feeling tones that sometimes can be um, tricky. Um, so I have two hands. Just gently for one hand to rub on the, the other. Very gently. Can you just feel into this rubbing? Is there a sense of a pleasant sensations as you kind of gently rub this? And then I invite you to come, maybe just press into, I mean, using one finger or a few fingers, press into the hand until you feel kind of maybe, you know, unpleasant or, you know, a little tight and painful. And then let it go. So this is kind of a pleasant feeling tone. And then as you're pressing into it, at the beginning, you probably don't feel much of a unpleasant or pleasant. So there's a huge range until at some point, maybe you feel a bit of unpleasant feeling tones. So there's no black and white line drawn. <laughs> you know, there's no meter measuring here. This is a pleasant and that is unpleasant. So it's a quite a subjective, a subjective kind of a felt experience. This neutral feeling tone can be quite a, of a range. A lot of our, a lot of for me personally, um, and the felt sense of my breath feels more a neutral feeling tone to it. And sometimes it might be pleasant, sometimes it might be unpleasant. And so uh, it's worthwhile to just kind of uh, tune into that. What's really interesting about the neutral feeling tone is that we often um, are not in touch with our embodied lived experience when there is a lot of neutral feeling tone. We just tone it out. We tune ourselves out. It's kind of boring. Or we have this habitual way of relating to this, um, this territory. Uh, we just kind of drift into other things. Um, and so it can lead to delusion, which is the mind state that the Bruni was pointing to. We're no longer connected with our lived experience. So it's worthwhile to notice, oh, the feeling, a neutral feeling tone is here. And we can see <laughs> if the mind begins to wander away from the experience of wandering into some other territory that can pull us away from the direct experience. Okay, so that's what I'm, I, I will say for now. Thank you, Jean. So Jerry, Jerry, you have your hand raised, please. Um, yeah, uh, I would love to hear from 
any of you or all of you. Uh, I'm I'm trying I'm struggling a little bit, and maybe I can get it eventually. I'm trying to not not just the Satipatthana, but in this case, mindfulness role in terms of the Eightfold Path. So it, it, I, I know we're like with right effort, we wanted to increase wholesomeness and, de- and, and move away from unwholesomeness and going back to right view. I mean, I've been pretty good trying to piece together all eight of them or seven now and how they're sort of different and yet part of the same process. But with the mindfulness, I don't, I'm not sure we talked about the best I can come up with on my own is that mindfulness is sort of the watch guard here. It sort of uses all of them and catches it there and catches wrong view there. And, and maybe that's really what it is that is implied, or maybe you said it and I missed it. So um, I, I just love how you're answering the question. I, I think it's a very valid answer, what your understanding of it, Jerry. Um, so I will add, I, I will say that, that that is one way to look at it, at, at look at mindfulness. Um, um, <clears throat> I will say a few things and I let Chris answer to Anjean. Um, mindfulness, this, 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 this factor of mindfulness, it just, it just helps us to be present, to be present for our life so we can see the other factors of the Eightfold Path, which is more or less something you said along those lines. I remember one, one of the readings um, from a great teacher, Master Upandita. Upandita said that when there is wise mindfulness, all the factors of the Eightfold Path are in that mindfulness. So I, I will say, uh, yeah, what you, what you were talking about, that's part of it. And then being present with other aspects. Um, I let Chris and Jean answer if there's anything else to add there. I think that's fine. Maybe that, you know, ask Jerry. Is that enough, Jerry? <laughs> I think you're on the right track. Well, Get, I didn't, I didn't answer my question by asking it, but uh, but what anything you you want that you can add, but what Bruni said is, is, is helpful. Yeah. Because we are nearing the end, and so they, mindfulness comes at the end, which is an interesting thing here. You know, it is. I mean... <laughs> path as if it's like a path that you're walking along and there's the first step and this is the seventh step that sometimes that's a useful model and sometimes it's more like an eight lane highway and sometimes it's more like a stereo equalizer where you know you're looking at which of these factors are low in the moment and which one needs boosting up and all these ways of understanding it are useful so you know maybe in terms of the deepening and the real full coming into being of full deep mindfulness, you know, it's when you take up meditation as a practice and that's toward the end that they put that at the end of the path. But again, that's artificial. A lot of us start with meditation and then discover that we need to look at our speech and action and so forth. So 
Thank you. Mm -hmm. Jean, you wanted to add something? I just saw. Uh, yeah, I, I just say that sometimes it's depicted as uh, the eight noble eightfold path is depicted as a Dharma wheel. So it's round. Rectangle, triangle, and wheel. Yeah, those who have been to IRC, you walk into the, the building, you see the, the Dharma wheel, and it's a noble eightfold path. Sometimes yeah. that's how that's related. I do see there is uh, another question. Are the hindrances mind states? Let's see if any teachers really want to say anything. I, I will call them. Um, yeah, there they can be, you know, mind states. They can be mind states. I. Um, is one of the least that uh, they are, I mean, hold on a minute, I can't. I'm just doing this, is this unpleasant or pleasant? I'm just, I'm just teasing Chris here because he was, you have to stop. <laughs> Sorry, you see? And look at that, that mind state. This is a great example, okay? I have to just take it just to, that mind state. What happened there? You know, uh, from being playful, then it just went into wanting, wanting, having some wanting to, to just do something. And I didn't take into account that actually it can bother some of you. So you see, that's mindfulness. That's when mindfulness come in. And <laughs> so, um, I will say just within the, the framework that we are talking about here um, and not to get confused. For me, um, I, 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 I would then will call it the hindrances as mind processes or uh, forces that that hijack the mindfulness in our minds. And I would use mind states to refer to the mood of the mind. And I will tell you that through the practice, I have gotten confused with both. With both, uh, it's just because different teachers to uh, use different different wording. Um, there was a question about processes, and I think that it just landed the word of processes. You know, like a process, like a, a series of of steps or moments, moments to moments to moments to moments, relate more to um, how it is that the hindrances will appear. Um, because uh, it may start with, for, for example, just a, the hindrances of unhealthy desire, let's say, uh, it may start with just noticing and noticing something arising in the mind. There's, there may start, you know, there's a physical and mental, uh, physical and mental um, processes that come together and then that we can sort out and see how the hindrance appear. But the hindrance doesn't show up out of the blue, just full-blown hindrance. It has to happen. There's different events that happen 
in the mind for the hindrance to become hindrance. So that's why um, this, this phrase of mental processes, I, I, I believe that it fits better um, to describe this fourth foundation of mindfulness. So let me just mute to move my paper. I think that we are past our time. And, and please note that there's more exploration as, as you go into the practice of these mental processes and mental states and all the other satipatthanas, there's more understanding that happens. Um, so, uh, depends on the conditions that are arise and pass and where you're at with it. And so in ending, may this time together, may it be, uh, a condition for you to continue engaging in the Eightfold Path for you to continue with the intention of cultivating goodness, wellness, clarity of mind, wisdom. May all beings benefit from our time together, including you, including all of us. May all beings be free, may all beings be happy. May all beings know peace. May all beings know peace. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Unmute and say bye to everybody. Thank you. 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 Th